I'm sorry, I've never seen the Disney Cinderella. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologise. I also... Even I'm not that much of a completist, Natalie. You're fine. You're not going to get shame here for not seeing Cinderella. Well, I haven't seen The Little Mermaid. That gets me in trouble. <laughs> you know, with certain people. Probably less and less as time goes by. Anyway, uh, I saw the Frozen one, not the second one. Haven't seen that yet, but... Uh, it was fine. I enjoyed it. It was, you know, it was nice. It's quite a good movie. Yeah, you know, a bit subversive of the genre, that kind of thing. It's like, oh, it's all about loving your sister, you know, not just some man. And maybe you can't just marry a man you meet on one day and have a love song with. Maybe that's not a good idea, you know. So, yeah, yeah, you know, some bands and tropes. And, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a Dina Menzel, you know, doing a belt out and making a nice castle, you know. Yeah, let it go, let it go. I'll pay it, you know. <laughs> it's also that type of Disney film that forgets it's a musical about halfway through. Oh, and just stops doing songs. It just stops doing songs halfway through. <laughs> it does like an opening song. It's got an I Wish song and then a couple of other songs. And, it's, and then the entire third act is just no songs. <laughs> You're right. I hadn't even thought of that. Aladdin's a bit like that too, I think. Yeah, a little bit. Although, I mean, like there's songs. There's songs. There's a through, through that and. Yeah, I mean, like, like most of the and and like you know, Beauty and the Beast is the most musically of the Disney Renaissance films. Like it's 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 a full on musical, but most of them have songs a lot. But but yeah, it is a problem with a lot of the Disney films where the third act they just stop having songs and and then they finish it with a song, and it's like oh okay, well, like, I mean I, either commit to the bit or don't. After a whole new world, there's really no more songs in Aladdin apart from a reprise of. Yeah, but oh, the, the, they do the reprise, and there's a, there's a bits of singing here and there. But yeah, again, like like it's one of those things where yeah, they just kind of focus on the on the plot at that point. They've did had all the, the songs, and then they're like, okay, we've got to get the plot out of the way. Did you see the Aladdin stage show at all? Stage yes, musical? yeah, I saw it when it came to Brisbane. What were your thoughts? I had uh, several. I had an extensive Twitter thread uh, detailing my thoughts on the Aladdin musical. Oh, I forgot um, that. Yeah, yeah. No, um, it, that might be one of the wankiest things I've ever said on this podcast. Um, <laughs> Stu, look, this is our podcast. If we want to hype ourselves up as proper Twitter thread writing film reviewers, then that is our God-given right, damn it. My basic take on the Aladdin stage musical was that it was a lot of fun, but it has the same problems as the cartoon, which is that you're kind of just waiting for the genie to show up. Yeah. Um, especially because in, in the stage play, the genie opens the show. And so the genie's like, hey, I'm here. And he, they make a joke about it. They're like, yeah, I'm going to go away for a while and then I'm going to come back and that'll be that'll be fine. But yeah, you kind of just fine, waiting for the it? genie to come back. It's, it's not, not fine. fine. It's not fine at all. The new songs that they added to it, I, I think, Probably because it was it was famously um, Alan Menken added in a bunch of songs yeah. that they had cut from the movie, and I'm like, yes. they deserve to be cut. <laughs> there's yeah. there's not much there, but yeah, no, and, and also like the, the staging of it is weird because stuff that works in the cartoon, they've left the voice cues, like stuff that the genie says uh, and stuff that Aladdin says, and all sorts of things. Stuff that's timed and that the animation matches in all the songs, they don't even make an effort to match it in stage play. 
like stuff that the genie sings in Friend Like Me and stuff that um, uh, Aladdin sings in like, you know, uh, gotta keep one jump ahead of the breadline, that song. He says stuff in that in those songs that just is not matching what's happening on stage and they haven't even gone to any effort to try and match it the way it, it matches in the cartoon and it's really kind of weird. But other than that, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and then and obviously the genie character is a lot of fun. The genie uh, So, yeah. And there's kind of no way to really put his big number friend like me except at the end of Act 1. Like, it's the big Act 1 closer. Yeah, totally. And they extend it. So instead of a two-and-a-half-minute song or whatever it is in the film, it's, you know, a 10-minute production number with bits coming out of the cave and explosions and all sorts of things. So it's lots and lots of fun. But it means that you're waiting the entire first act for the genie to show up. Yes, and they almost ruin it by putting him at the very start of the show. So he does that little intro yeah. that in the film it's like a little salesman that Robin Williams also voiced, and they have him kind of fill that role about going, oh, it's Agrabah. But that only just reminds you that, oh, that was the genie, and he goes away now. Like they, mm-hmm. they almost would be better to not have him show up and then he's the big surprise. Yeah, uh, exactly. But my issue, my biggest issue with it was not having Abu – the monkey. Oh, yeah. Or the carpet. Or the carpet. They do have a flying carpet moment, but it's not referred like The carpet isn't a character. Like it's not yeah. like it is in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, a, he's not a character. And so instead of one monkey, they have three fellow street rats. <laughs> yes. And God, they're so they a song. They have a whole song that I just sat there going, I, I don't want to be watching you having songs yeah. about high adventure we're going on a high adventure i'm like i don't care about you again a lot of these songs were written <laughs> like originally for the movie and then cut and, and then it's cut. like yeah that they were cut for a reason they're not great and they have a reference to abu in the prince ali song where he's like he's got something something monkeys and they bring out a picture of abu and the whole audience as one goes Aww. Yeah, and it's like, oh, remember, yeah, that would have been nice. taken out of the story going, oh, yeah, how good is Abu in the movie? Because he becomes <laughs> the elephant, you know, for Prince Ali, and he's cheeky and fun and he's, you know, a rascal and he's the greedy one. He's kind of acts like Aladdin's id, superego. I don't know the Freudian term, but he's the one who, <laughs> he's the one who has no morals and wants Aladdin to, you know, steal <laughs> money and that sort of thing. And Aladdin's the good guy with the heart of gold. Uh, sorry, diamond in the rough. And so I was like going, oh, God, you're all so dull. Go, just go away. They have like two songs. They have one in the first half and one in the second half. Yeah. Sorry, I keep referring to theatre shows as football matches. They're, they're acts, not halves. <laughs> as, as long as I've been doing shows, which has been all my life. I've referred to intermission or interval as halftime. As halftime, which is weird because you're not a sporty person. I am not at all, but theatre is always like first half, second half, halftime. It's weird. <laughs> did did you bring around a tray of oranges at halftime? Or... Oh, that'd be great, though. Yeah. Sometimes you can get a fruit platter backstage. Yeah, that's great. It's always yeah. nice. But, yes, so I, I just I found the Aladdin – I took a friend who really enjoyed it. Like she really thought it was fantastic and loved hmm. the songs and loved the different characters and, and asked my opinion. I was like, yeah, I, I thought they were terrible. And then I think she felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I really like them. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like they were fine. They were good. But it's just it just reminded me of how I'd much rather put on the film and watch that. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and I understand that the frozen one is probably a lot better because I'm not sure that they've and, and they have like really good special effects and stuff. So I'd be interested to see when Frozen turns up. Yeah. Oh, do they have do they have a stage show? Of course they do. Like, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's um it's on Broadway and it's coming to it was due to be in Sydney, I think, this year, but it's been postponed, I think, till the start of the ex- next year. Oh, now. okay, ready. Right but yeah, it's coming. It was it was still scheduled until a few like a month or so ago when they definitively said no, we have to we have to push it back. But yeah, they have you know Elsa's dress changes on stage and they you know build the ice castles and all that kind of crazy stuff. Yeah, I mean it is insane what they can do on stage now. It's 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 incredible. So clever. That's what hundreds of millions of dollars will get you when you yeah. have the amazing production designers and big that's budget, it. and that's why they sell for hundreds of dollars a ticket Speaking of which, um, will you be watching hamilton uh yes i mean that, that will instantly date this episode but yes obviously i will be i will be watching hamilton when it drops on disney plus i can't believe we're getting it I, we, we were going to get it in theaters next year and now we're getting it uh on streaming in a couple of days it's going to be awesome i've been invited to a watch party i'm hoping oh wow I'm, I'm just kind of flat out with a whole bunch of things that have cropped up in the last week. So I'm really hoping to get to this watch party because I don't have Disney Plus and I, I can't see why I should get it at the moment. I appreciate that all The Simpsons is on there, but until they get Futurama, <laughs> you know, I'm not. That's true. Yeah. You know the soundtrack, but you've not seen it. No, I, I've never I've never seen the, the full show. Um, no. So obviously I've 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 listened to the soundtrack many times. I've seen like clips online of, of the of some of the staging of it, but I've never seen uh, the full show. So I'm really looking forward to this. You, you've seen it, haven't you? You've seen the the show. Well, I didn't want to bring it up, Stu, but now that you do, um... <laughs> yes, I, I wasn't I... even I wasn't even doing a bit. I didn't I didn't know whether you'd seen it or not. No, I just took advantage of you being a nice person and sure. inquiring <laughs> to be. A showbiz asshole. Yes, I saw it on Broadway in 2017. Okay. Which is, it's a good brag, but I saw a matinee, and so we didn't see Javier uh, Muno, I think Munoz, who took over from Lin-Manuel Miranda, because we saw a matinee, so we saw his understudy. And his understudy was incredible, and he was an African-American man, which I thought was really interesting because Lin-Manuel Miranda and Javier are, of course, Hispanic. So I, you know, really enjoyed seeing an African-American man do it. And he was he was really great. And my favorite thing is that the guy who played Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson was no longer David Diggs because obviously the original cast had moved on. But he was a guy who's in The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. He oh, played, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've probably mentioned this before, but he plays Titus's nemesis on Broadway. Yes. Yeah. And he like it at one point in a, in Matilda as one of the kids, like, <laughs> and he's portrayed as being another kind of crap Broadway actor like Titus is. But of course, he's not. He's freaking amazing. And yeah, he, absolutely. He was doing the Lafayette rhymes and they I'm running and thing like amazing, so good. But then my friend Liz, who invited me to this watch party tomorrow night, she has the best brag because she saw it in twenty end of twenty sixteen, I think, with Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah, I mean that's that's the flex right there. If you saw it original yeah. run with Lin Manuel, yeah, she, no, that's that's pretty good. She lucked out because she was going to the theater every day to check for returns or, you know, any kind of ticket, and she was entering the lottery every day and all that stuff. And she happened to check one day. The people before her got turned away, and then she was in the queue. And as she went up to the window, one of the tellers had just put the phone down saying, "Oh, we've had one ticket returned for tonight." And Liz went. I can take one ticket and got it. Nice. Uh, 
yeah, amazing, amazing. So she she totally lucked into it. And, of course, it was only one seat, so she was one person, and that often can help if you're by yourself. So, yeah, I'm, I'm intensely jealous. She said it was the most incredible experience. And when he came out and did, you know, the first Alexander Hamilton, she, the audience just went nuts. There was a standing ovation that went for, like, four or five minutes, and they had to, like, calm the crowd down. <laughs> There was there was such a weird energy to that show when it came out, sort of sort of 2015 and then 2016 across 2016. It was just it, it was like it was like we talked a couple of episodes ago about Listomania, where like Franz Liszt inspired like crowds to chase him through the streets in in yeah. in rapturous awe. That that felt like that in 2016 with Hamilton. It just became this phenomenon. It, it really did, and to the point where people who normally don't like musicals or get into them, get really into them. And the main example of this is um, Greg from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast because <laughs> I had been listening to the album and get – because I'm not a super musically person as well, really. Um, I can kind of take them or leave them. In in many ways, you're more of a musical person than I am, which I, I, I guess. I mean, I mean, you, you famously uh, are derisive of anything involving Sondheim. Oh, he's terrible, though, Stu. <laughs> He's, he's fantastic, Natalie. Come on, what are we talking about here? And this is my, why I've always loved you so much. This is like Broncos, football. And then it's like... Strong opinions about musical theatre. Strong opinions about musical theatre. I love it. No, I upset so many people uh, when I just go, mm, yeah, no, not 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 great. <laughs> Don't hate him. <laughs> he's just a dude with a piano and a thesaurus. And that impressed a lot of people in the 70s. But now, you know... I use Rhyme Zone. I, I write raps and I use Rhyme Zone. I know the secret, man. It's just Rhyme Zone. <laughs> Type in a word, comes up with a whole bunch of extra words. Then you write a little lyric. That's simple. Watch Natalie dismissing all creative rap output. I'm going to get cancelled. Do you think that's how uh, Hamilton was written? or? Look, it doesn't hurt to have a thesaurus on hand is all I'm saying. I'm sure. If you are writing anything to do with creative stuff or, or poetry or anything where rhyming is part of it, I feel like having a thesaurus is handy. I don't sure. think I think that's a wrong thing to say. I feel like you'd use a dictionary. I don't, I don't, I don't think you're going to get cancelled over that. Okay. Well, my point to, to, to wind that up was to say that I got Greg into it. And initially Greg was a bit sceptical because when I played the first song, and as you know, it starts with um, – there's Hamilton. There's the first introductory song, and then it goes into the setting the scene. That's like 1776, yeah. New York City, and it kind of has that musical tweeness about just that phrase. Yeah, it's a bit twee, like 1776. Yeah, there's and something of the Simpsons about it. Exactly, and I could. Streetcar. Yes, and I could see Greg tense and go, <laughs> uh-huh. and I was like, just go with it. I know it sounds weird. It's but gonna just- get better. Keep listening. And then, yeah, and he got past it and got super into it, super, yeah, super it really into get, it. That, that soundtrack really gets its hooks in you. Oh, it does, to the point where he um, he went and bought the book that Lin-Manuel Miranda used as inspiration, the actual biography. Oh, right. And then another biography. Like, he got super into Hamilton. As I, I was actually, can I just say, I was reading a, a review of, of the concert film that's going to be released soon, and I heard that book described as a dad lit doorstop, which oh, is which is absolutely wonderful. A dad lit, oh, dad literature, right? Yeah, like like da- a dad lit doorstop. That's great. I thought you meant dad lit, like a dad holding torches onto something. <laughs> 
like if Chloe Giantsbane wants to do a show for you, you have to like hold a torch on her. Sure. You're the dad lighting. The show was dad lit. <laughs> the show was dad lit. <laughs> well, that could mean another thing too, which is like it's super cool for dads. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, we went to that. Uh, was it lit? Ah, uh, was dad lit. It was dad lit. <laughs> yeah, how was the cold chisel? Reunited concert. It was dad lit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly right. I feel like we've coined a new phrase. So we copyright it right here, right now. Dad lit. Copyright. Trademark. Don't steal it. Yep, it's ours. Anyway, I'll get back to my list. <laughs> yeah, remember when we were talking about James Bond? Yeah, but that's okay. I'll just cut that out and make it a podcast extra. <laughs> I'll need I'll extra content. You never had a friend like me.